everybody, and welcome to the Industrial Sourcing Podcast. My name is Anne-Sophie. I'm the founder and CEO of Ravacan. We build an analytics and collaboration platform for manufacturers so they can exchange critical information in real time. Information such as prices, lead time, capacity, and inventory levels. You can learn more on ravacan.com. If you enjoyed these interviews, please subscribe rate, and share with your friends. You can also contact me on LinkedIn if you want to be on the show. For this episode, we have Davide Montini. He's purchasing manager at Energica Motor Company. They are building the future of electric mobility. We are going to talk about how to navigate the supply chain shortages that are due to the pandemic and what principles and values made him successful throughout his career. Hello, David. Hi. Hello. Hello, Anne-Sophie. How are you doing? Fine, and you? I'm good. I'm good. Here today, uh, we have uh, Davide Montini, and uh, you are the purchasing manager at Energica, mortal company. Yeah. yeah. Can you tell yeah. us a little bit about that role, and uh, where are you located in the world? Yes, uh, we are located in Soliera. This is uh, 10 kilometers from Modena. Uh, into the Mother Valley. So we are uh, in a site uh, where is, uh, for example, Ferrari, uh, right. Nati, and uh, many uh, companies in the motor markets and uh, motorsports. And okay. uh, we, we manufacture electric uh, uh, motorcycle, not just for uh, road purposes, but also for race. Yeah, if you look at the uh, the pictures of the motorbikes on the internet, they are really impressive. <laughs> yeah, very impressive. Uh, this is a a, a great uh, a great challenge. Uh, the owner of uh, of the of the company undertook uh, in 2014, and uh, we all are proud of the growth uh, of uh, of this company. Mm -hmm. And uh, we are looking forward to increase our figures and increase uh, our business in the future because uh, electric uh, mobility is very important and uh, it's more important in, uh, in uh, all over the world not just in Italy but all over the world yeah and so uh, I guess the portfolio that you're managing is very wide and with uh, so many different commodities can you just uh, name a few oh yeah uh, i manage all the commodities uh, into the motorcycle uh, market so uh, from uh, cables uh, to plastic and and, and metal and metal um, parts uh, um, wheels uh, tires uh, all the the battery pack uh, and uh, all the, the components uh, of the PCB, of the DCU, and, and the battery. So it is. Uh, we, we we manage um, a, a, a real a big uh, um, area of uh, of commodities. It's very diverse. I love that. How did you end up being uh, on that position? What's uh, what's your story? How did you uh, started working in uh, procurement? Oh well, I started working in procurement in uh, 2000 where uh, I worked in Microtechnica, aerospace market, my hometown, in my hometown Turin. And uh, then I moved to, in Patinaire, near to Malpensa Airport, and always in the uh, uh, aerospace market, but uh, 
Patinaya are operated as a distributor of uh, uh, aerospace components uh, from bolts uh, to tires of, uh, of, uh, of the air aircraft, etc. And then uh, I, I had the growth uh, about my, my position because uh, I began uh, managing uh, two people uh, in, in procurement in, in, in Patinaya. Uh, then I, I moved to uh, Reggio Emilia. In uh, Landi Renzo, Landi Renzo uh, manufacture system, LPG system, and gas system for uh, automobile and bus. And uh, uh, this time, I worked as a senior buyer in um, for the commodities as uh, uh, wirings, uh, electric, and electronic uh, uh, components. Then, in 2014, I had my big challenge, my first big challenge in my career, because uh, I went in Manitou, um, French company uh, operating in telehandler markets, where I worked as interim purchase manager and then project manager uh, in Manitou, Brazil, because uh, they they sent me in Brazil because uh, they wanted to convert uh, Manitou, Brazil from a commercial um, company into a manufacturing company. So we had to uh, involve uh, um, suppliers uh, uh, all around Brazil, all around uh, South America, and especially for uh, the companies uh, operating uh, all over the world, uh, maybe PLC, big companies uh, with uh, with plants in in Brazil. My main uh, purpose and my main goal uh, during these years in uh, in Manitou was to achieve the Finame in two years' time. Finame is a certification allowed by the Brazilian Central Bank in order to give to foreign companies uh, to have better tax regime regime and better commercial attractiveness uh, on the Brazilian market and South American market. And we achieved that in 2016. And uh, the, first, uh, uh, the first goal of this is to have at least a 65%, 60, 65% of the, of the components uh, built and mounted on, uh, on the machine, manufactured in Brazil. There, I built a purchase and logistics department. I have created a, a large uh, supplier base uh, and contracts and agreements uh, for them. Then, uh, when this uh, this uh, this project has been done, because uh, they also had some problems uh, due to the 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 drop of the markets in Brazil uh, after the the World Cup, the the football World Cup, and uh, the Olympics. I moved to a family-owned company, CCS Claren, uh, operating in uh, uh, packaging ma- uh, machines market. Uh, and uh, my role was to to is a purchase manager with three person, and I also um, operated as a project manager because uh, uh, the company had to set up a different. Uh, point of view and a different uh, uh, method of working between uh, all the roles and all the uh, the departments. Um, then I drive uh, this company to be to be acquired by a PLC company, the TMC Group. Then uh, in 2020, I moved to Energica, where I can play, currently work as purchase manager, and uh, I I've been uh, one of uh, of the person who uh, managed the the conversion to um, 
a startup company because we we've been a startup in 2014 to an international group to be a part of an international group uh, to have uh, uh, industry and great figures from a startup to uh, great figures and uh, to to be a, a strong a strong player into the motorcycle markets right very uh, interesting and very technical everything did you have a technical background when you started no um i i am graduated in literature and history oh, yeah. uh, always in Turin, but i attended the management engineering courses at the polytechnic in Turin. Uh, polytechnic in Turin is one of the of the best uh, engineering school engineering university uh, in europe and then i uh, uh, had uh, all through my 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 career the curiosity to to learn from uh, technical department technical person engineers how to for example read all the all the drawings technical drawings technical specific and uh, i also learned something about quality and currently i am increasing my knowledge of processes because i'm attending a master degree in lean six sigma in a uh, Italian school Crossnova and mm-hmm. Crossnova is part of uh, of the Linsic Sigma International tra- uh, Trust. All right. So in eternal learner and mm. uh so you went from being a purchasing manager in Italy to doing a big leap and starting working in Brazil. How was how was that? How was the transition to a new country, new language? Well, um I always had uh, uh, curiosity for uh, uh, the, the foreign cultures because uh, I am born in Italy, but I have uh, uh, French descent. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, uh, I always uh, been interested to increase my, my culture in, in foreign countries. And I learned uh, easily uh, other, other languages. Then I... I've been always uh, uh, interested to to work in uh, international environment. For example, Petner uh, is uh, an English uh, Brit- uh, British uh, American uh, company. Had uh, persons from uh, United States, uh, from uh, Great Britain, from France, from Germany. So the cultural uh, exchange uh, was was very good and then uh, i always had uh, the main content i had in my my career uh, since the beginning uh with uh, foreign suppliers uh, I, I really feel comfortable speaking and with foreign supplier brazil mm-hmm. it's a very interesting country because uh the person the way to manage the the work the way to negotiate is uh, really different from uh, from european uh, kind of uh, of negotiation and uh, it's very interesting to to exchange this kind of uh, cultural uh, methods and uh, how, well, how different how different uh, it is how do you negotiate in brazil oh uh, yeah in brazil uh, they you have to uh, um, enter into confidentiality with uh, with uh, with your uh, counterparts, and uh, in Brazil uh, you don't have uh, uh, name and second name, only your uh, birth name. So in Brazil you speak with uh, 
with the purchasing manager, with the general manager, but you always are Davide. Okay. Everybody will call you Davide, okay. no matter if uh, Mr. Montini, etc. <laughs> and uh, they they uh, they want it to be called by their name because yes. uh, they say we are players, we are person, and we are working together. So it's really different from uh, the the European method of, of negotiation. You're a person. First of all, you are a person, a person. Then you are a professional, uh, and then very it is uh, very easy to it's easier to to work with the, the Brazilian counterparts. Yeah, it's uh, it's not, sounds very interesting. So you feel like it's uh, more personal as well, uh, the type of yeah. negotiation. Uh-huh. Yeah, more personal, and uh, I I can tell you more more sincere. Uh, I don't. I don't want to tell that the European or American uh, negotiation method is not sincere. But uh, you you feel that the, a person uh, takes uh, into into seri- uh, takes seriously uh, what another person tells, and uh, uh, is uh, isn't uh, every person is interested to to know about the history of the counterpart and uh, and. Um, it's easier to to uh, to establish such a relationship not just a, a working uh, relationship but uh, yeah it's uh, it's very easy to to have uh, to have friends in brazil and i still have friends in brazil uh, my my former uh, suppliers my former uh, colleagues uh, i mean i am uh, currently in contact with them and uh, mm-hmm. it's very good because uh, uh, the network outside uh, your position uh, um, it's very interesting and useful for uh, for bot bars do you feel that this uh, experience abroad has influenced your management style and uh, how how do you actually um, see yourself as a manager uh, well uh, yes uh, um, this uh, many different uh, grounds where I played in were very important for my growth in uh, in management because uh, when you see different methods different kind of negotiation different uh, style of management you can select the the the, the most uh, uh, the most favorable for you and say okay i feel comfortable to be to have a, a management style uh, just like this uh, despite uh, to a cold, uh, strong, or a tough uh, managerial uh, method. So uh, I built my style uh, looking at a different kind of methods of management. What is your dream team? What do you expect of your team members? Uh, well, um, as I am a, a visionary, uh, I have a visionary style because I, I always tried to uh, increase my skills and improve my skills and uh, improve and develop the skills of my of my team i can tell that uh, my dream team uh, is a combination between experience uh, big knowledge and um, great margin of uh, of improvement uh, for me uh, my dream team combines for example uh, a person with at least 50 years old uh, with a strong experience uh, strong skills and strong knowledge of the market uh, then another person with the strategic uh, uh, commodities maybe with 35 40 years old and uh, um, 
a great margin in front of, uh, of him uh, or, or her uh, to improve. Then uh, a person working into the routine follow-up of all the suppliers, uh, issuing purchase orders, uh, issuing uh, follows-up for, uh, uh, for the delivery dates, etc. And then um, a person um with uh with a uh, with a less experience with uh poor experience uh, young but uh, everything to learn and willing to learn every day something something new because uh well uh when, when i started this this work i didn't know anything about this work anything about this job i didn't know uh how much far uh, I, i should go but well uh it was my uh, it, it, it was uh, my, my career growth every day mm. and uh, i started to be an exploiter and now i'm purchasing on so, so- I, I, i i i really like to, to see person starting like that just like mm. i started started myself so, now about uh, about the person i manage Every person has a, a commodity to, to manage, and uh, so everybody is uh, um, self-confident about that. About uh, the relationship with the, with the suppliers, I try to, to have a collaborative uh, relationship, and I always try to, to establish a win-win relationship because, uh, well, I'm developing my, my business, but... Uh, I want my suppliers to develop their business. I don't want to spoil up their uh, their their business and uh, because we have margins, they have margins and everybody we have uh, and we both we have to, to work together. So for example, establish uh, long-term agreement, uh, long-term agreement with uh, um, yearly uh, rebates, uh, yearly saving. So I don't start with the suppliers telling, okay, give me the best the best price ever and give me 20% per year. No, it's not polite. And I don't I don't act like that. What is your strategy to be able to have this type of partnership and uh, transparent um, collaboration, but as well, you know, trying to define what's the best price for the product? Uh, well, um, with my suppliers, I always try to, to ask them a cost breakdown analysis because uh, it's not easy because, uh, for example, for uh, big companies, it's easier because uh, they have this, this kind of system and they set uh, all the uh, cost breakdown analysis because uh, they know that uh, they have to show all, all, uh, also today's supplier, today customers, this kind of, uh, of analysis. Uh, the small companies uh, not often uh, want to share this kind of information, but if there is a, a, a mutual relationship, uh, a mutual, let me say, trust, uh, it is easier. But uh, I can uh, ask for cost breakdown to many suppliers, to each suppliers for each commodity or uh, each item and compare Uh, from suppliers to suppliers and uh, see with them if they have problems with uh, raw material. And uh, this time, you know, um, just after the, the, the pandemic event, uh, the, they all have this, this, this kind of problem. And I try to them with them to, to face this kind of problem uh, about uh, the price increases and the raw material increases. And uh, I also uh, analyze all the flows and uh, of, uh, of, uh, 
of the raw material markets. How uh, are you getting this information uh, about the raw materials? Uh, well, uh, into websites. Into, uh, for example, we have in Italy the Sole 24 Ore, that's the most, uh, most, most well known uh, uh, economic uh, newspaper. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I have uh, some contact with uh, other brokers and uh, I check every day to the web uh, websites. They, they show the trend of, uh, of the markets of, uh, of the raw materials. Yeah. How has your strategy been impacted by the pandemic? Well, uh, the strategy yeah, is, uh, is uh, greatly impacted because, uh, you know, uh, I do some, some kind of, uh, of example. Uh, before the pandemic, I mean, 2019 or uh, beginning of 2020, um, you uh, have to buy, uh, for example, uh, um, PCBs, uh, cables, wire analysis, plastic material, etc. You um, send your purchase order, you, sh you should purchase order according to the, uh, the lead time uh, your suppliers uh, show you. And then, uh, then uh, there was no, uh, no kind of, of problems maybe uh, mm, some some problems with the uh, raw materials some problems with production uh, capacity etc but no problem at all they told you okay eight weeks of the time eight weeks of the time it was uh, it was respected but now after the pandemic all the um, raw material electrical components uh, electric components uh, were uh, were into a, a crazy rush So everything before then it was uh, available in uh, 10 weeks time. Now it's uh, 70 weeks times, 80 weeks time, 90 <laughs> weeks time. And uh, for the electronic components, just like that. Yeah. For the um, raw material, in, for example, in plastic, machine parts, metal parts, uh, they were, uh, for example, 10, 12, 14 weeks. Now it's 25, 30 weeks. So it is a problem because uh, you cannot easily manage and plan your purchases as before. You have to issue blanket purchase orders for uh, the complete year for 2022 and maybe the beginning of 2023. And you are not sure that the, you will receive your material and your goods in time because every day your supplier tell, okay, I told you that uh, your, uh, your order would be ready in uh, 20 weeks, uh, but now... Yesterday, I told you that. Today, I told you that uh, the lead time is, has increased into 40 weeks, 45 weeks. And you can do nothing about that. You can only ask your supplier to do something. And, and I speak to Father about the electronic components. I, I, I can tell you that, uh, for example... They say, okay, uh, in order to fulfill your demands uh, for in 20 weeks, for example, you have to pay 10 times more, 20 times more, uh, 100 times more. And yeah. it is a problem because you have to save your margin because everybody has to, 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 to save their, their margin. Yeah. So you, you cannot plan as before. That's the, the, the real thing at the time right now. Yeah. So uh, what, um, what solutions do you see to the, to the crisis? And uh, when do you think this crisis will end? 
Well, um, solutions. Well, the first solution is to uh, to start alliances between uh, between markets and between companies. For example, uh, if you take uh, uh, a motorcycle manufacturer, a car maker, uh, home appliances uh, uh, manufacturer, uh, what do they have in common? Uh, apparently, nothing. But they all buy, for example, electronic components, uh, raw material, um, plastic parts. For the electronic parts, they can uh, put in, a, in, a, in a, put a, an alliance and maybe set an alliance and say, okay, everybody here, we are uh, two, three, four, five uh, companies, and we buy. Well, we know that the, we have to buy, for example, electronic components from RO. Avnet, uh, Phoenix Content, Tyco, etc. Okay, uh, we set up a purchasing um, center and we buy together all, all the components we need because uh, often uh, many uh, many companies buy the, the same components, for example, microconductors, semiconductors, microcontrollers, mm-hmm. uh, often are all the same. And, and when you ask to another company, oh, do you have this part? Do you have these components? Well, I don't have, but I, I'm looking for it too. So <laughs> I have the same problem. So it's time to do that, at least for the next, uh, let me say, uh, one, two uh, years. Uh, another, um, another kind of, of solution is to do the same with the, for, for the small and medium companies. I mean, uh, the companies with uh, 10 employees, 20 employees, uh, up to 100, they have the same problem and uh, they don't have such force, such a power uh, to, to use uh, with the distributors and with the big suppliers of electronics or electric components. About the end of this crisis, well, um, before summer of 2021, they all say, okay, uh, this crisis will end uh, in fall or winter of 2021. But mm-hmm. now, after summer, they all say, okay, uh, until July, August of 2022 will be worst, will be worse every day. And then maybe uh, it will be um, a little better, a little better um, from August to, to December. But uh, a normal situation and the crisis will be solved uh, maybe in mid-2023. And, uh, and uh, during this time, uh, I think uh, we will encounter our times and uh, about components and, uh, and the raw material. Yeah, I feel that this crisis as well, like all the shortages are actually a combination of uh, several things. Not only yeah. the fact that there is COVID and that some factories have to close because they had a breakout and so they can't open. So they have to close for a certain period of time. So their capacity decreases and they can't produce parts. So that actually creates bottlenecks in the supply chain. But there is as well that there have been some strategic decisions from procurement teams and that are um, creating negative consequences. Um, I'm thinking, for example, in semiconductors, the the fact that actually we are facing a semi-monopolistic market. And so as a result, um, you know, the the power and the capacity concentrated um, in a few key players. Actually, there is a problem of monopoly plus as well uh, a location as well, right? Because uh, right now, for example, it's very expensive to ship anything from China to the US. 
And that is yeah. because the most of the manufacturing is in China. Um, have you seen uh, some trends about relocation to Europe, for example, so to manufacturers that are in Europe? And uh, second question is, have you seen uh, bigger companies actually increasing capacity in different areas of the world? Well, I see strategies about uh, big companies, for example, in the uh, uh, automotive market. And they, uh, when, when the pandemic um, has been decreased, I mean, uh, uh, late 2020, beginning of 2021, they, they knew that uh, maybe, I, I, I suppose, but I'm not sure, but this is my opinion, many big players uh, asked to the semiconductor uh, manufacturer, Okay, you have stock. I do buy all the stock, or I do buy a, a great part of the stock, and uh, so I, I can uh, continue manufacturing as well. Uh, well, um, about uh, I do think that the, um, after the pandemic or when the pandemic decreased, there are uh, maybe groups that made uh, a, a big speculation about uh, about the raw material, about the, the electronic components, and this uh, and this impacted to the situation we are uh, we are living right now. And then uh, I can tell you that uh, well, uh, in China they had, they had many problems with because uh, many uh, companies, manufacturers stopped their production during the pandemic. Then uh, currently we uh, there is the policy, the government policy, the Chinese government policy uh, to uh, reduce the, the emission and to reduce the energy uh, the energy emissions uh, during the last three months of, of uh, 2021. So this is a problem. And I also see as it as you told that uh, there is a, a huge increase uh, of uh, of the um, of the transfer prices and not just a huge decrease of the prices but uh, a big congestion for example everybody in the world tell okay if you have to uh, to ship something by sea from china or from the far east you have to book uh, the ship right now because uh, you know uh, from the beginning of December until uh, late February uh, also due to the New Year's Eve in China the 1st of February of 2022 there will be a big congestion of ships so um, it will be hard to find a ship it will be hard to manage and will be hard and will be many delays in uh, in transport between uh, Far East in Europe and US, I think. Um, and I also see that uh, many uh, many companies in Europe, due to this to this problem they uh, they encounter in China and uh, with the decrease of the of the production capacities, many uh, many European companies are uh, looking forward to come back to Europe. For example, in Italy, uh, many many companies say, okay, uh, we have problems with China with the uh, production capacity in China. Okay, let's see if there is some uh, Italian or European uh, competitor or uh, company that can be that can be good for my production because uh, yeah okay I will uh, I will I will have some higher price but I will will save my my production capacity and I can uh, 
I can continue uh, uh, producing and manufacturing during uh, during the year. Yeah, yeah. I remember visiting uh, suppliers in northern Italy. It's a very uh, heavy industrialized region with a lot of foundries yeah. and machining. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, as well, there are um, a lot of. Uh, Yeah, there are a few market leaders in semiconductors that are Italian, actually, or Franco-Italian. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I would assume that there is a lot of uh, opportunity for the Italian market. Have you experienced, like, uh, suppliers going bankrupt because of this situation? Like, how do you assess the risks of your current supply chain? Well, uh, in the last few years, um, uh, after the pandemic, uh, I saw uh, at least... 10, 15 uh, companies that I knew uh, in, uh, in the last few years uh, because they were my, my suppliers, not just in Nordica, but in other experience, that uh, they have gone in bankruptcy. And uh, at least uh, four or five other suppliers had many problems and uh, they, they, they have, uh, they, they, they be treated by, by crisis. But by the way, I can tell you that uh, I, Uh, I try always try to to see the how the my supplier uh, as their uh, their financial uh, situation. I see the turnover. I look in uh, to the websites uh, or I try to to find uh, by the web or uh, to. Uh, With the help of the financial, my financial department, if uh, their turnover is good, if their margin are good, and uh, moreover, I I try to uh, see if uh, to, to check if their overall turnover uh, it is uh, um, it is good, and uh, with us they they do they up to the 30%. percent. Of the overall two number because, for example, uh, I select uh, a new supplier. They say, "Okay, uh, with you, I will have uh, 25%, 30% of my uh, overall two number." Uh, and I'm and in order to pursue and to uh, uh, to follow your uh, your demands, I have to uh, to hire two more persons to buy a new machinery, but. If you if uh, if their um, their percentage of the overall uh, uh, turnover is more than 30%, percent, this will be a problem not just for them but for your company too. Because uh, you know if they have some problem, uh, you have with them uh, a, a, a big a big uh, uh, turnover. If you have some problem and you have to decrease your production because there is a market drop because uh, uh, you don't have such components. In these times, uh, it is easy, easy to to say. So uh, they will stop for, uh, for example, two three months. Uh, well, they will have problems, and they can uh, have problems in uh, in in hiring new uh, uh, new personnel or or keep their personnel. And they they will have uh, financial problems with the banks. So yeah. this is a problem. This is a problem. And in case. In case you select another supplier and you share with another supplier, they uh, they volume they volumes. So you will uh, cause other problems with your uh, at your uh, to your supplier. This uh, must be avoided, and yeah. this uh, must be checked by every purchasing manager, every buyer. 
and that you know it's not it's not easy to to, to find somebody uh thinking like that yeah but it's very um very healthy that uh, process i would like to ask you what kind of advice you would have for you know young people who are considering going into procurement based on your experience what you would uh, advise to them Well, first thing, uh, first thing I can tell to the young people is that uh, uh, this job, uh, the job in purchasing, it's very interesting. And uh, I can tell that uh, maybe it is the best job you can do uh, in a company because uh, you have a relationship with uh, uh, local suppliers, international suppliers. Uh, you can uh, see uh, many kind of uh, commodities Uh, for example, if you if you work in automotive or motorcycle market, you can uh, you can buy uh, many different kind of commodities. So you you uh, you get to know many kind of markets. And uh, well, uh, if I can uh, suggest something to young people, maybe it is better to attend a, a, a technical university, an engineering university. But for example, it, it is not uh, the only one thing to do. Even if you start with another kind of university, if you uh, are uh, enthusiastic of purchasing, uh, you can, uh, for example, start working for small companies with a good technical base and... Uh, To get by uh, engineers, uh, your supplier manager, uh, your uh, purchasing manager, etc., and tell, okay, uh, let me learn something new every day, and uh, uh, tell me what what is the strategy. Tell me how do you negotiate. Tell me how can you read a technical uh, a technical drawing, and then you can uh, grow every day and grow every year. So, I think that. Uh, Uh, a technical background it is uh it is better for uh, young people but uh, an enthusiastic people young people can learn uh, from experience and uh, from uh, uh, other experienced people so um, i can tell that uh, it is the best job you can do into a company yeah I can confirm that <laughs> And uh, I'm passionate about direct procurement as well. I love this uh, environment. And uh, yeah, you're the living proof that um, it's not necessary that to be uh, technical uh, or to have an engineering degree, but uh, the ability to empathize, to manage relationships, as well to uh, be curious and to learn every day. Yeah. It's uh, a fundamental part of the job and a skill that actually you can uh, um, that can make a difference as a yeah. as an industrial buyer. Well, thank you very much. It was uh, awesome to learn more about your background, about the uh, uh, Energica as well, with uh, you know the future of mobility and sustainable mobility, and as well um, you. how you. Um, how you manage uh, relationships and strategize with our suppliers and facing the COVID crisis right now, it's, it's a challenge and, uh, and everybody's really struggling and uh, there are solutions out there. And uh, it was very interesting to uh, hear your perspective. Thank you very much. Thank you very much indeed. Yeah. Thank you. Have thank a good you. one. Bye. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.